Good morning once again. This morning God's Word to us comes from the book of 1 John chapter 5. Uh, I'd encourage you to take out your Bibles. This will not be up on the screen behind me, uh, and so you'll need to look at it in a copy of Scripture that you have there. Uh, you can use your own, or there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. Uh, if you're not familiar with the way a Bible's laid out, the book of 1 John has a little one in front of it. There's multiple books in the New Testament named John, because John wrote multiple books in the New Testament. But this one's toward the very end of your Bible. Uh, if you turn to the very back of your Bible, you'll get to a book called Revelation. And then if you just flip backward a few books, you will come to the book of 1 John. So 1 John chapter 5, here in just a moment. Today we're talking about prayer. Prayer. Now, prayer is in one sense a very simple thing. It's the crying out to God from our souls. That's, that's all prayer is, crying out to God from our souls. But in another sense, it's not simple at all. In another sense, it's very hard. There are parts of Scripture that seem to suggest that we will receive whatever we ask for if we just ask with enough, enough faith. Is that true? There are other parts of Scripture that seem to suggest that prayer could change the mind of God. Other parts of Scripture still seem to suggest that God is going to do whatever He wants, no matter what humans do or say. And so how are we to rightly understand prayer? How can I keep from getting discouraged in my prayer life and feeling like prayer is worthless? How can I embrace the power of prayer without turning it into something that God never meant it to become. Prayer's not exactly cut and dry, if you see what I mean. And so, this morning, John has some insightful words to say to us about the way that we pray to the Father. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5. We're only going to be doing two verses today, verses 14 and 15. And there John says, And we have seen and testify... Oh, I'm sorry, that was, that was chapter 4. I was looking in the wrong place. Verse 14, chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. This morning here in these two short verses... We find three things that we're going to examine. Number one, our confidence in prayer. Number two, our submission in prayer. And number three, our pursuit in prayer. Our confidence, our submission, and our pursuit. Let's take them in turn. Number one, our confidence in prayer. Did you see the language there? He says, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him. Now, I want you to see how verse 14 comes right on the heels of verse 13. And as we have gone through the book of 1 John, we've said time and time again, verse 13 in chapter 5 is the theme verse for 1 John. The theme verse for the whole book. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you can know, so that you can have confidence. And then connected right along with that, right afterward, he says, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, toward the Father, toward God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Part of Christian assurance is the confidence that God always hears the prayers of His children. The confidence that if you are in Christ this morning, that God hears 
your prayers. Now, first we have to note, the fact that God even listens to our prayers is a marvelous grace. The fact that God would even listen to me, the fact that he would even care about what I am sending up his way, the fact that he would listen to my prayers at all is a marvelous grace, considering my sin and his holy, righteous perfection, his purity. The fact that he even listens at all is such a blessing, such a wondrous privilege. But the ground of our confidence, the ground of our confidence as we come before God, is not the fact that we have anything in and of ourselves to commend us to him. It's our justification in Christ. Our justification in Jesus Christ is the ground of the confidence that we have as we come before God's throne in prayer. You see, in the Old Testament, the high priest in the Old Testament could only enter the most holy place in the temple where the presence of the Lord dwelled. He could only enter that place one day a year. And even in doing so, he had to follow all of these detailed instructions so that as he entered on that one day of year, the Day of Atonement, as he entered, he would not die. Church history and and different stories that have been passed down tell us that oftentimes priests would go back behind the curtain in the temple to the place where the Lord's presence dwelled, but he would wear a rope tied around his waist. Why? Because if he got killed while he was back there, people could drag him out without having to go in there themselves, right? It was such a big deal to come into the presence of God. But what happens when Jesus dies on the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, the minute he gives up his spirit, the curtain in the temple in Jerusalem was torn in two from top to bottom, signifying the access that we now have to God. That no one had but the high priest and but one day a year up until that point. The access that we now have to God the Father. When you put your trust in Christ, he clothes you, the New Testament says. He clothes you with his righteousness. And now you are fit to enter into God's presence. This is why we say when we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever thought about why, why do we say that? We say it because we can only come to God on the ground of the fact that we've been reconciled to him through Jesus. And so we say, in Jesus' name. Okay, a, a little pet peeve of mine that I've always had is when I hear someone pray, and they, they say to God, in your name, amen. I, I know they mean well, but it is not in God's name that we pray God the Father. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray to God the Father. Because Jesus is the only reason that we have access to God the Father. And so I do not say, in your name, I pray. I say, in Jesus' name, in the name of your Son. That's the only reason we can even come before him. That's the only reason he's even listening to our prayers. It's a wondrous grace that the Lord even listens to us when we pray, but he does. And John says, this is the confidence that we have. It's a bold confidence because we do not come based upon our own righteousness. We have been clothed with the righteousness of another. And so we come to the Lord before his throne in the name of Jesus. God accepts us and hears us because of Jesus. Now I'm going to use my wife this morning as an illustration. She doesn't know I'm going to do this, but it's, it's okay because it's a good one. My dad 
loves my wife, right? And I'm not just talking like, yeah, you know, my parents love my wife. My dad really loves my wife. He gets along great with her. Many times he'll call and he wants to talk to her and he doesn't even care about talking to me. He really gets along well with my wife. He loves her. And it makes me happy. It really does. You know, oftentimes I think he, he, he might love her more than he loves me. But it makes me happy that he does. He loves my wife. Now, I think about it every now and then. I think, why? Why does my dad love my wife so much? Well, I'm pretty sure the biggest reason is because I love her so much. He loves her because I love her. Right? He embraces her as a daughter because of the relationship she has with his son. He sees how happy she makes me. And that pulls at his heart. Because of the relationship that she has with his son, he loves her because of that. And in much the same way, God accepts us on the basis of us coming to him through his son, Jesus. And not just praying in the name of Jesus, but coming to God through Jesus, like Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We come to God, we have a relationship with God, we are reconciled to God only in Jesus. And so it's only by Jesus' blood covering our sin that God listens to our prayers. But because of that, you can have a greater confidence in your prayers than if you were basing your confidence on yourself. Does that make sense? If you were basing your confidence on yourself, well, who knows? I don't know who's righteous and who's not. I don't know if I'm righteous enough. I'm probably never righteous enough. So how can I truly be confident if I'm basing my confidence on me? Now, we put our confidence in another. And in that, we have true, bold, full confidence that God hears our prayers. Because of Jesus, we can boldly approach God's throne with whatever we need. We come before him and we throw up every single need that we have knowing that he hears us as a father hears his children. Tim Keller often says this when he's talking about prayer. Who would dare wake up a king in the middle of the night to request a glass of water? Only one of his children, right? In Romans 8.32, we see that we can request anything from God. In Romans 8.32, Paul tells us, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? Even Jesus talks about the fact that God is much like a parent, a human parent, who even though human parents are sinful, will give good gifts to their children when they ask, how much more will God give good gifts to his children when they come to him and ask? And so through Christ, we can come to God with every single one of our needs. We have a confidence that because we are God's children in Christ, He hears us and we can come to Him with anything. And so this is our bold confidence. This is what John writes about when he says, this is the confidence that we have toward Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, this moves us, though, to our second point, which is this. Our submission in prayer our submission, and you hear it there when John says anything according to his will. Anything according to his will. You see, every request that we make must be in submission to God's perfect will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Meaning, if we ask anything according to his will, John goes on to explain, he answers 
in the affirmative. We have the requests we ask from him if we ask according to his will. And so with every prayer, with every prayer that we send out to God, we are to present our requests to God and then prepare our hearts to accept whatever his answer might be. We prepare our hearts to accept whatever answer he gives because it is all dependent on his will. You see, I often tell people there are three answers that God gives to prayer. Yes, no, and not right now, right? I'm sure you could categorize that differently, but we have to accept whatever answer he gives to us. He is the ultimate wise father who knows what is best for his people and for his world. And so we trust his will and we couch all of our requests in your will be done. May your will be done. Perhaps this prayer of mine is not God's will. And so may God's will be done because that is what will be best, not only for me, but for the world. See, prayer is not about using God to get what you want. Prayer is not about using God to get what you want or following the right set of instructions to manipulate Him into giving you what you ask. Prosperity gospel preachers and teachers will tell you that God is holding back blessings that are just waiting up there to be named and claimed. And all you have to do is name it and claim it with enough faith, and then whatever you want will be yours. We claim healing for this person in the name of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is a demonic twisting of Scripture. This is a gross misunderstanding of the character of God. And I get fired up when I talk about this. Because what happens when you start teaching people to pray like that is people start praying with hope. People start praying with what they think is enough faith. And then what happens when God does not give that person what they ask for? Well, then all of a sudden, they're in a spiritual crisis. Have I prayed with enough faith? I don't know. I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't say the right words. And they try to work themselves up and try harder to believe something's got to be wrong with me or something's got to be wrong with God. It is a demonic twisting of Scripture to teach people that God is just waiting up there to hand out blessings, but He's not doing it because people aren't praying with enough faith or they're not following the right instructions or they're not naming and claiming their blessing. This is ridiculous, and it is not taught anywhere in the Bible. If Jesus himself had to pray, not my will but yours be done, in the Garden of Gethsemane, surely we must pray like that as well. God is not a cosmic vending machine. He is not up there just to give us whatever we want. And it is unchristlike to think that if you pray with enough faith, you can have whatever you ask from God. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how much you believe you are going to receive something that you pray for. If it's not God's will, it ain't happening. If it's not God's will, it ain't happening. Now, does that mean we don't need to pray with faith? Of course not. All right, that'd be swinging the pendulum too far in the other direction. Of course, we, we should pray with faith. We should believe that God can give us anything. We should believe that God can do miracles. James says in chapter 1, when we play, James chapter 1, when we pray for wisdom, we should believe that He graciously gives it to all who ask. 
And the man who does not believe will not receive anything. He's double-minded. He's unstable. Right? So this does not mean you swing the pendulum far in the other direction and you don't pray with bold confidence and bold faith. That's exactly what we're talking about. We have confidence. We have a boldness before God. But God is not your vending machine. God is not your cosmic butler where you ring the bell whenever you need him and he comes calling. Whatever you need, sir. No, that's, that's, that's not the way it works. We submit to him. In his commentary on 1 John, John Stott writes, Prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or for bending His will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to His. It is by prayer that we seek God's will, embrace it, and align ourselves with it. Every true prayer is a variation on the theme, Your will be done. And so this brings up a question, at least in my mind, a question that I think we all need to wrestle with. How do we react when God says no to our prayers? How do we react when God says no to our prayers? Because this will reveal your heart. Your heart is revealed when God does not give you something you were desperately praying for. The question is this, are we following God because of who He is? Do we love Him for who He is? Or are we just in it for what we can get from Him? Do we just follow Him for what He can give to us? Your heart on that issue is revealed when God doesn't grant you something that you were praying desperately for. In 2010, there was an NFL game, all right? Football fans, NFL game, Buffalo Bills versus Pick Pittsburgh Steelers, all right? 2010, game went to overtime. Now, at this point in time, former UK, Kentucky, wide receiver Stevie Johnson was with the Bills, right? If you remember Stevie Johnson from the Andre Woodson days, remember we beat LSU when they were the number one ranked team in the country back in the day? So Stevie Johnson used to catch all kinds of touchdown passes. He went on to play for the Buffalo Bills, right? So over time, they throw a touchdown pass to Stevie Johnson in the corner of the end zone with nobody anywhere near him. It hits him right in the hands, and he drops it. They could have won the game on that play. It hits him right in the hands, and he drops it, right? And after the game, on Twitter, he posted this. I praise you 24-7, and this is how you do me? You expect me to learn from this? How? I'll never forget this, ever. Former UK grad, right? That revealed his heart on this matter, right? Stevie Johnson was thinking that I'm, I'm only following God for what he can give to me. And the, the second God doesn't give me what I want, I'm out. I'm done. Right? He, had, he, he revealed a heart that only was in it for what God could give to him. But you see, answered prayer is not a reward for obedience. Answered prayer is not a reward for obedience, you guys. It's an affirmation that your desires were in line with the will of God. But it's not a reward for obedience. And unanswered prayer is not always a sign of God's disfavor. It could be, but it's not always. Sometimes it's a loving response from the one who can see things that you can't see. Unanswered prayer. And so, back to that, that example, you might think to yourself, well, I would never say the things that Stevie Johnson said about God. But... Think about this. What if you have a loved one that is dying 
and you pray and pray and pray with all the faith you have for God to heal them, and He doesn't. My friends, I'm here to tell you it's a very human reaction to be upset and to think, wait a second, God, God could just snap His fingers and fix this in a second if it was His will. Why, why won't He do this? Why won't He heal this person? Why won't He let me have more time with this person I love deeply. It's a very human reaction. But remember, God is not your butler. God is not your vending machine. And if God says no to one of your prayers, it's not necessarily because He's punishing you. It's just because He can see things that we can't see. He can see consequences that we can't see. At any point in time, I've heard a preacher say this at one point, at any point in time, God is doing 10,000 things, and you might could see two or three of them. We cannot see the ripple effects of every decision, and yet we trust that God has everything under control. And so we pray, your will, not mine, be done. We submit to the will of God in prayer. And finally this morning, our pursuit in prayer our pursuit in prayer. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, there's a very simple principle here in this verse and in Scripture. If we abide in God's will, our prayers will be answered. They'll be given to us. If we abide in God's will, God will give us what we ask for. If we abide in His will. But that's a lot easier said than done. And none of us have perfected that. If we abide, if we remain in God's will, if we are continually living in the will of God, well, then we will receive whatever we ask. But none of us have reached that point yet. It's tough. It's not easy. We'll never perfect it. So it's a pursuit that is ongoing our entire lives. And by the grace of God, when we have been following Christ for 30 years or 40 years, I would venture to say we will be getting more of our prayers answered at that point in time than after we have only been following God for five or ten years, right? Because we are learning to walk closer and closer into the will of God, day by day, moment by moment. You see, Jesus was abiding in God's will every moment of His life. And so all His prayers were answered in the affirmative. At every moment in His life, He was abiding in the will of God. And all His prayers were answered in the affirmative, even to the end when He says, Yet not my will, but yours be done. That prayer was answered in the affirmative. And Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now some people read that verse and they think, Whatever I wish. This is amazing. I can ask whatever I wish from God and it will be done for me. This is a promise that I can just get whatever I want out of God. But it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That is much easier said than done. We are all learning every day how to abide in Christ. How to let the words of God abide in us. And so it's not a blank check. It's pursuing the will of God. Prayer is pursuing God's will. Or take Psalm 37, 4. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, some people read that and they say, 
He'll give me the desires of my heart. Blank check. Whatever I want. Ah, but it says, delight yourself in the Lord. There's a condition there. Delight yourself in the Lord. Is He your delight above everything else? Moment by moment, day by day, is the Lord the greatest treasure of your heart? None of us can say that He is every second of every day. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is an ongoing pursuit. But I'm here to tell you, if you abide in Jesus, if Jesus' words abide in you, if you delight yourself in the Lord, what begins to happen is that God will change your desires. God will transform your desires to be in line with His will. And pretty soon your prayers start to become the will of God. And in that sense, they are answered in the affirmative. This is what John says in our passage. We know that He hears us in whatever we ask, and we know that we have the request that we asked of Him if we are praying in the will of God. And so, as you pursue the will of God, as you pursue this abiding presence of God in you and you in God, as you pursue delighting in the Lord, He begins to change your desires, and thus your prayers begin to change. Talk to any person in here who has been a Christian for longer than a decade. I guarantee you their prayers are not the same as they once were. My prayers are not the same as they were when I was a teenager and when I was in my early 20s. Because my desires begin to change. And some of the things over the years that I have asked the Lord for, I can now look back on and thank Him for not giving it to me. Right? I mean, have you experienced this as well? I think almost all of us probably have, if we've been a Christian for longer than just a little while. We can look back and we can actually thank the Lord for not giving us something that we prayed for, because we couldn't see everything. And so, we come to the end of this with this idea. While this is a continual pursuit, while we're continually pursuing the will of God, and we will never perfect it, this is a confidence in prayer that is attainable in this life. It is attainable. This confidence in prayer is attainable in this life. One of my favorite preachers is a guy from Nashville. His name's Ray Ortland, And I follow him on Twitter, and so I kind of see the things that he puts on there every now and then. But a while back, he put this on Twitter, and I just laughed, and I loved every, every, every bit of this. But he said this. Watch this. He says, Dear Twitter porn accounts, right? So sometimes on social media, you have people coming at you that, you know, are, have nefarious purposes. Dear Twitter porn accounts, every time you like or link, I do two things. One, I tell Janny, that's his wife, I tell Janny you came knocking since we have no secrets. And two, I pray for you personally. And because God hears my prayers, some of y'all are going to get saved. See you in church. Isn't that awesome? Right? Because God hears my prayers, some of you are going to get saved. And he hashtag fair warning at the end. That was really, really neat. But, but on a more serious note, a church history example. In the 1500s in Scotland, there's this man named John Knox. You might have heard of him. Now, we, we know John Knox primarily because of his prayer life, okay? Because of his prayer life. John Knox was a Scottish minister in the 1500s. He is what most people consider to be the leader of the Protestant Reformation in Scotland. 
as they were rebelling, protesting against the Catholic Church and all the, the twisting of, of Scripture and biblical doctrine that the Catholic Church had done at that time. And so he's leading the Protestant Reformation in the country of Scotland in the 1500s. Well, just to give you a sense of his prayer life, he once prayed, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Spiritually, give me Scot the country of Scotland. And not that God was going to make him king over Scotland or anything like that. He meant, may the entire country of Scotland come to know Christ. That's what he meant in that prayer. Give me Scotland or I die. But what I really want you to notice is the Roman Catholic queen at the time, Mary of Scots, as she was known, once said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. This is a confidence in prayer that is attainable in this life for normal human beings. This is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Will you pray with me? Our great and almighty God, it is a weighty and serious thing to come before your throne as we do right now in prayer, asking you to listen to us. And God, the only thing that we bring, the only claim that we have on your attention or your time is your son, Jesus. We come to you in the name of Jesus. We come to you on our knees, pleading with you in the name of Jesus. And we have so many requests. We have so many needs. We have so many loved ones that need your attention. We have so many things inside of our heart that we need you to, to change. We have so many burdens we need you to take off of our shoulders. We have so many anxieties we need you to ease. God, there are so many things on the hearts of me and my brothers and sisters in Christ right now as we come before your throne. And we fully acknowledge that we do not deserve to have an audience with you. Because of the way that I've lived, I do not deserve to have you answer any of my prayers. And yet, God, the, your word, you, you told us in your word that we are to come to you boldly in confidence because of your son, Jesus. And so that's what we do. We ask right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would convict our hearts. We ask in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would satisfy us with yourself, that you would help us to delight in you, help us to abide in Christ and help your words to abide in our hearts. Help us to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us. Help us to proclaim the glory of your son Jesus in the gospel so that men and women and 
boys and girls can be saved. And to know this confidence of having a Father in heaven who listens to us because of our brother, Christ. God, it is in the name of Jesus, your great and glorious Son, that we come to you and that we ask and that we pray. Amen.